Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary, and I'm honored by how many people listen to this podcast each and every week. I keep making this podcast for you, for the listeners. I'd like to invite you to a very special opportunity to become a part of the How They Love Mary community through Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash howtheylovemary. And in exchange, there are two different tiers and there's going to be bonus content, two additional videos each month, and the opportunity to pose a question that I will ask to the guest. I hope that you will help support this podcast, How They Love Mary, through the Patreon With your support, I'll be able to upgrade my equipment. With your support, I'll be able to pay for the monthly web hosting and not out of my own pocket. With your support, I will be able to hire a graphic designer to make images so that this podcast may be better known. Thanks for listening. And now, on with the show for today. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We are now just a few days from the beginning of the Advent season, and that's a time in which lots of people take on devotions. And on Tuesday, we talked about all the different opportunities that you could have to engage in the Advent season. A few weeks ago, we talked to Father Joel Sember. And, you know, there's lots of content being produced that we can use during the season of Advent, from videos to books, journals, you name it, it's out there. But let me tell you, there is a devotion. It's not a book. It's just the simple prayer tradition of our Catholic faith. And there is a book about it. We're going to talk about that. But let me tell you, the Angelus, for me, I believe, has always been an Advent devotion. And in fact, I started writing online many years ago now. And one of the very first articles, and it was on CatholicLane.com. It was my first or second article I ever wrote. It was on the Angelus. And I wrote it called Praying the Angelus During Advent. And so I really unpacked why I thought it was the perfect prayer for Advent. The first is simply the fact that the Angelus is calling to mind the anticipation of the birth of Christ, this long-awaited birth of Jesus. And so Mary hears those words at the Annunciation. And as she hears them, and during the season of Advent, as we pray them, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, it's a reminder to us of the very fact that, yes, God is going to become man. He's going to be incarnate on Christmas Day. Now, secondly, one of the collects for the Advent season, I think it's the fourth Sunday of Advent, if I'm not mistaken, is actually the closing prayer to the Angelus. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy God, our God, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel. So, so it's an Advent prayer in that regard, that the closing prayer is contained in the Advent season. And And lastly, when I prayed the Angelus, especially with groups of people, there's a custom that you genuflect, that you bow at the mention of the Incarnation. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And as we make that reverence, as we bow, as we genuflect, well, that's an anticipation of that Christmas day. Because during the Creed, when we say, and became man, 
the church instructs everyone to genuflect at that moment. And during the year, we bow at the calling to mind of the incarnation. So that's why I think the Angelus is a perfect Advent prayer. And I am happy today to speak with Jared Dees, who is a father, a husband, the author of several different books, including a book that we'll talk about, uh, Praying the Angelus, but also a new one for children, uh, Prepare the Way. Uh, And so we're going to talk about Advent with Jared today. And he's also the founder of the religionteacher.com, has a newsletter, 60,000 subscribers. He's a great teacher, a great communicator of the faith, and I'm happy to have him as a guest today on How They Love Mary. So welcome to the show, Jared Dees. Thank you. It's great to speak with you. I'm looking forward to the conversation. You know, we met a few years ago now, and it was actually right when I was in the process of writing and publishing uh, my book, A Heart Like Mary's, which also is a nice Advent read and a nice way to prepare for the new year if people want. But uh, when I was uh, writing that book, you came and you spoke at something here in the Diocese of Green Bay. I went to the event and I didn't know that you worked for Ave Maria Press, but I know that that very day you spoke was the day that I got the message from the acquisitions editor saying that they were taking me on, that I was going to write A Heart Like Mary's. And uh, so I just thought it was very interesting then that I met you that day. You asked the question, like, what are you grateful for? And then I just said something about, you know, publishing my first book with Ave Maria Press. And you mentioned that that was uh, where you worked. And and uh, so that's um, kind of the backstory of how I met you and got to know you was through your work with uh, the publishing house there. And now you, uh, you published a book with them about the Angelus. You're publishing yourself these days uh, and doing great work to spread the gospel, to communicate the faith. And you did write this book, Praying the Angelus, Find Joy, Peace, and Purpose in Everyday Life. And As I was thinking about Advent, as I just mentioned, I thought it'd be perfect to talk about the Angelus because for me, it's the perfect Advent prayer. Would you agree with my assessment of that? Yeah, amen to that. I I just want to backtrack a little bit and talk about that that time that we first met because it's one of those, you know, God's coincidences because I remember it was, for me, I I loved speaking there because I got to see Lambeau Field. It was like almost in the distance where I was speaking and um, you know, worked for many years, and I, I did know that there was an acquisitions meeting that day that I was speaking. But I'd taken a personal day to travel up there to give the talk, and it's one of the, it was like the first time I hadn't read the books ahead of time that we were reviewing to be able to to pick to be published or not. And I thought it was just so what a coincidence to have you your book be picked up that day from Abe. And the, the other coincidence that I remember from that day is I was speaking in the morning, and I, I know I felt very rushed. I was up on stage, I was giving the talk. And we were getting close to noon, and I was like, you know, at the time I was working on the Praying the Angelus, the book, and I'm, I was thinking, I'd originally planned to do the Angelus, and I thought, you know, I know this schedule's kind of rushed, I, maybe I can just, I'll just skip it, and, and um, you know, Father Edward's going to do the prayer anyways before lunch. And I was just blown away because you got up there and said, why don't, you know, let's pray the Angelus right here before we speak at lunch. And I was like, yes, this is, this is amazing. Um, so that was, yeah, that was my favorite memory from, from that day. And then we got, um, so yeah, God is, God is so funny and making those little connections and coincidences. That's great. So did- I, 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 no, I was just, I totally agree with you about Advent and, um, just to give you a little bit of, of my own background about the the prayer and experience with the prayer, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, but I, I also grew up going to the Baptist church with my my dad's side of the family, the, my grandparents and family, and so 
Um, so I didn't really have a really strong, you know, traditional Catholic background until, you know, a little bit later in my life. I, I came into the Catholic Church, I did my first communion a little bit late, and, um, you know, I, I was always, because of the, the Baptist part of my family, they were always very skeptical about the, the, the you know, devotion to Mary and the theology around on Mary, and I didn't have a, a strong devotion to Mary until later in my life, and I, was, I felt kind of cheated about the Angelus because I had never prayed it before until well into my adult life. I was, I was, a, was getting my master's degree at Notre Dame in theology, and it wasn't until an associate pastor of our parish gave a talk during Advent to my students as my, you know, as a catechist, I was bringing my kids down to hear this talk from our associate pastor, and he introduced them to this prayer called the Angelus, which I was, I, I had vaguely remembered praying on a visit to um, Rome, you know, being there for the Angelus prayer on a Sunday for Pope Benedict XVI, and I didn't know at the time what people were saying, and I couldn't really participate in it other than the Hail Marys, and then fast forward a few years later, here's this, this associate pastor, this priest giving a talk about the Angelus, and I, I had no, never done it before, never prayed it before, and it was that Advent that I started, you know, integrated into my personal life, and then later on, inviting, you know, my own fa- my family as well into that devotion, and it, it has been, I have to say, it has been my favorite uh, wet times of day to, to pause and pray the Angelus, and we can talk more about it here, I'm sure, but it's just, it's a beautiful devotion, and it's the perfect time to start praying it, if you haven't already. Yeah, most definitely, and one of the things is, is that this is one of the Marian prayers that the church really promotes, and in fact, Paul VI, in 1974, wrote a document called Marial's Cultus, and in this document, in part three, he talks about observations on two exercises of piety, the Angelus and the Rosary. So they're really held up, both these prayers, the Angelus and the Rosary, are held up as kind of the quintessential Marian prayers uh, for us to be devoted to, for us to incorporate. And of course, the Angelus is the recalling of the Incarnation. This is what he says about the Angelus. It's only one paragraph. He says, What we have to say about the Angelus is meant to be only a simple but earnest exhortation to continue its traditional recitation whenever and wherever possible. The Angelus does not need to be revised because of its simple structure, its biblical character, its historical origin, which links it to the prayer for peace and safety, and its quasi-liturgical rhythm, which sanctifies different moments during the day because it reminds us of the Paschal mystery in which, recalling the incarnation of the Son of God, we pray that we may be led through his Passion Cross to the glory of his resurrection. These factors ensure that the Angelus, despite the passing of centuries, retains an unaltered value and an intact freshness. It is true that certain customs traditionally linked with the recitation of the Angelus have disappeared or can continue only with difficulty in modern life. But these are the marginal elements. The value of contemplation on the mystery of the incarnation of the Word, the greeting to the Virgin, and of recourse to her merciful intercession remains unchanged. So that's his little reflection uh, on the Angelus, you know, the traditional recitation. Maybe what is the traditional recitation of the Angelus? Yeah, I mean, just to give a little history, I, I thought your summary of the theology behind the words that we pray are, are very, was very, very true. And I, the other part of the Angelus, not just the words, but just the, the history and the practice of it is kind of unique. Um, you know, the, at the heart of the prayer the way it's structured are these three Hail Marys, the three Aves, if you will. And that had that has been a part of you know, Catholic practice, especially Catholic devotional life, for both 
um, both, both the monastic life, but also the laity, the people who were, were not in the monasteries and kind of living a normal life, of just this practice of pausing throughout the day to pray these three Hail Marys um, throughout the day, expanded to become this full Angelus prayer. And so in, in some ways it became this for, I know it's practiced by in the monastic life, but you know the, the monks and nuns, especially during medieval times, you know they're pra- they're praying the liturgy of the hours just like they continue to do now, along with priests and religious today. Uh, and the lady who maybe would be working or doing other you know normal tasks throughout the day and may not have been literate, but wanted to have that uh, you know sanctified times during the day, started this devotion of the Angelus, and we still have the call to the Angelus, the Angelus bells ringing three times a day. And I'm sure many people hear those bells and they may not even realize, you know, why sometimes there's even an Ave Maria being rung afterwards. But, you know, those are times to call the people around the church to pray, pause and pray this prayer at six o'clock and at noon and at 6 p.m. And so it's, it's just a beautiful practice because, you know, as Catholics, we kind of were able to sanctify everything. And, you know, the sacramental life of the church here, we get a chance to, um, wherever we're at, what part of the day, pause and reflect on this idea that God became man, that, that you know, the Lord became a part, a part of our world, um, part of our time, if you will. So, and just a little bit of brief history of that devotion, this pausing three times a day, the three Hail Marys in the middle, and just the, the meditation on uh, the experience of the Annunciation and the Incarnation is really a beautiful way to, to um, uh, get connected to God throughout the day. As you mentioned, the church bells ringing, and they ring at 6, noon, and 6. You know, sometimes if my alarm uh, doesn't go off at 5.30 or if I decide to snooze it, I'll hear the church bells from my bedroom, and I'll know that it's time to pray the Angelus, and it's time to get up and go about my day. And the bells here, I'm very blessed that we do ring them at 6, noon, and 6. They're on a timer, and they always weren't ringing from what I'm told. They were recently fixed maybe a few years ago. But I can be downtown, which is, you know, a mile in this rural country that I live in, but a mile down the road, I can hear the bells. If I'm out running sometimes and it's during the lunch hour or it's in the early evening, I'll hear the bells. So I know that people can hear the bells within a region of our parish church. I don't know what the neighbors think of the bells. They're farmers, so they're probably already up. They're already awake. Um, But the bell is a great reminder. And, you know, if you go to the Holy Land, for example, you'll hear the call for prayer for the Muslims, and they'll, you know, blast it over on their loudspeaker into the main area. But for us as Catholics, this is our call to prayer. This is, well, think about right now the fact that God became man so that he could die on the cross, so that you could be redeemed, so that you could one day have eternal life with him forever in heaven. That's what the bells every day are a reminder of for each one of us. Yeah, I remember there was a trip I took to the, I've been there a couple of times for conferences and talks, and I remember I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral, and then I was going to go from there over to you know, Times Square, and I don't know what time it was, but I do remember very distinctly walking along the street and then just seeing uh, a Muslim, you know, off to the side, just praying at, at that specific time of the day. I was really moved by that, just that act of faith that he had. And yeah, at the time, I was thinking, oh, you know, it wouldn't be, wouldn't it be great if the, the Catholic Church had something like this? You know, my ignorance at the time, and and just you know, I'm so grateful to be able to discover this devotion because it really is. It adds that a discipline that we're able to dedicate, you know, 
these times a day to the Lord. Um, it's a very short prayer. Um, it, it does require us to stop whatever we're doing. And that act of discipline and devotion, I have to say, it really does make an impact because there's always something that seems really important. And this applies to any devotional practice, whether it's the rosary or, or anything else you might add to your day. But it, it's a, because you can't plan it, it just happens each of those times. It's a great you know, little sacrifice to make throughout the day to be able to dedicate that time you know, to, to God. It's one of those things that maybe you could set a little timer on your phone, a daily alarm to go off if you just want to do it at noon, just to signal to you, maybe I should pray the Angelus. Or, you know, six, noon, and six, those are the times, but really morning, midday, evening. So you could associate it probably with your meals, right? Like when yeah. you eat breakfast, when you eat lunch, when you eat dinner. Um, that those are there are different times in the day that we can pray the Angelus and uh, to 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 really pray that prayer. Yeah, that, for sure. I mean, from a practical standpoint, that was the way I was able to start praying the prayer. I, I had a, a alarm set on my phone. I still do have an alarm set on my phone that reminds me that it's time. I wake up early and do some work at five o'clock in the morning. So at six o'clock is the time it goes off. I have to pause whatever I'm working on, and then same thing with noon. And then, I, like you said, if if it seems like a lot to add these all three times during the day, just pick one that might be most convenient and, and add it to your day, set an alarm, start adding that practice, and, and just to be able to integrate it in, it makes a big difference. You know, I, I, if, depending on what time you wake up in the morning, I really enjoyed that 6 o'clock time. Um, it used to be that my wife and I would be working early in the mornings together, and then we would be able to pause together. And Sometimes my daughters will wake up early enough to be able to be there and pray with me, which is also a fun experience to share that with them, um, as well as later on throughout the day. And there's that classic painting, and maybe it's in some people's yeah. homes, uh, from Jean-Francois Millet, and it's called The Angelus. And it's two farmers in the field, maybe a husband and wife, if I'm remembering it correctly, mm -hmm. and they're bowing their head. And what do you see off in the distance? You see the church off in the distance that must be ringing the bells. And is that the historical origin of it? Was that when people were working out in the fields, they would hear the church bells and pray and then know it's time to go in? Or Yeah, if people, yeah, if people aren't familiar with it, I mean, just Google the Angelus um, painting and I'm sure it'll come up because you'll see a very familiar picture because the picture itself it has two, like you said, farmers just bending their, their heads in prayer. And I, I, most people, I think, don't realize what they're praying, but they're actually praying... The Angelus, the, the person that they mentioned, the painter that had created that work of art, um, had a tradition of painting kind of normal, everyday life um, images, especially in uh, kind of agricultural images of people, you know, living their lives, you know, whether it was working in the fields or, or what have you. And and this is, it was a, it's a beautiful painting. I have a picture of right here behind me um, of, of the two of them. You know, the, the pitchfork is post posted in the ground and they're in the fields. And you like you said, you can see the, the, um, the church in the background and they're pausing whatever they're working on to pray. And I just love that because of the, the idea that, you know, that we're, we all have everyday lives going on. We transform this kind of ordinary time into an extraordinary experience of, of the Lord's presence among us. You'll see, once you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, I've seen that painting everywhere. I've seen that painting on people's walls and I never knew that it was the Angelus. And, and sure enough, that's what the that what he was capturing was that moment of the Angelus, which became, which was a big part of, of everyday life, whether you were, um, you know, very spiritual and devotional or not, especially in Europe and medieval Europe. And even today, it's it become somewhat controversial in Ireland right now, whether or not they could continue to pray or have the Angelus bells ringing or broadcast it on radio and TV, uh, because it's been a, such a big part of, 
just everyday life for such a long time. And sometimes when we see these images, and we see this in religious art, in fact, when you talk about angels, you kind of reflect about, you know, what do angels look like and images of the angels that we're familiar with. But when we see religious art, it can move us to meditate, it can move us to ponder something in our mind. And just as we were talking about it, and this is just a brand new insight for me, that it would be nice, you know, like to think that as that couple was out in the field, and they're praying the Angelus because of the church in the distance, that maybe at the moment when they say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that they would turn and they would genuflect towards the church for that's where the word made flesh is housed mm-hmm. in the tabernacle. You know, just uh, you know, these images that we have in our homes, whether it's of the Angelus or any other painting, can be a moment for us to pause, to ponder, and to pray uh, with that image, to have it conjure up in our mind some sort of holy thought. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It was a gift for, for me. And, and to me, um, I just I just love the simplicity of that image and, you know, the, the reminder that we don't have to be um, great theologians to be able to be uh, practiced, uh, connected to, to the Lord. You know, this is an invitation, especially with devotional life, for anyone to be a part of, you know, the greater mission of the church, the greater um, life of the church. Now, you wrote this book, Praying the Angelus, because you discovered it. You wanted to share it with other people. You wanted Mm -hmm. others to pray this prayer. You're like, why is this hidden? Why don't we know anything about the Angelus? And so you've written this beautiful book uh, that came out a few years ago now from Ave Maria Press. And uh, in it, you have 56 pages of an introduction of how to pray the Angelus, why pray the Angelus, kind of the theology behind the Angelus. So that's great. I love it. Uh, it's probably the most comprehensive treatment of the Angelus that we have. And then then you move into the meditations, because as we say those words, as I often say, words have meanings. And so as we pray those words, well, we can use each of them to move us deeper into prayer. And so as we use your meditations, as we read it, not as we pray the Angelus, but as we read this kind of as the background, and then as we pray it, then something you said might come alive for us as we say, and the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit, or behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And, you know, for me, as we say that line, the second section of the Angelus, it's always, for me, we pray the Our Father, thy will be done. And now we're repeating what Mary said. Really, when Jesus taught that prayer, thy will be done in the Our Father, well, Mary already had prayed that at the at the Annunciation. Let it be mm. done to me according to your will. God, I want what you want for my life. And really, that's what we're saying as we say that. We're calling to mind, yes, Mary is the servant of the Lord, but it's also us. We're saying, I want to be your servant, Lord. I want to do what it is you will for me. Help me to accomplish that in my life. What's the most uh, insightful thing as you've prayed the Angelus? uh, What speaks to you the most each and every time that you recite that prayer? Yeah, thank you. I I think... You know, one of the beautiful, beautiful things about being Catholic is that we have all of these devotions, and from the outside looking in, you might say, well, you know, they're just these rote, memorized prayers that people are babbling, you know, in their prayer, but you know, really, the experience is just the opposite, whether it's meditation on the mysteries of the rosary, or whether it's meditation on the Angelus, or liturgy of the hours, for that matter, 
you know, you may be praying these memorized prayers, or you may be praying these, you know, written prayers, reciting these written prayers. But when you do that, especially on a, in, in a consistent basis, these words start to stick with you, and you know, you are are, are ingraining them into your heart, into your into your soul. There's this you know, outside of the church. There's this practice really popular among kind of the self-help gurus and writers and influencers about having these affirmations, repeating things as affirmations to get you to your, train your mind to think in a certain way. And in some ways, that's what the Angelus allows us to do is we pray these devotions, um, these, these prayers, and then they stick with us. They might come up later on and they help form us into those disciples like Mary um, to, to be close to the Lord. So I, you know, I could go into each one of them. That was my goal was with, with the second half of the book was to at least give some kind of um, starters for reflection, meditation on each of the words. And so many, each part, you know, maybe different parts of my times in my life were more important to me than, than others, um, you know, whether it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life with the first prayer. I, I say consistently that, as you said, the second part is what sticks with me the most, reminding myself, you know, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to, to thy word. Um, this, that act of, of, um, of humility and turning towards the Lord, this image of, of being a handmaid, and especially, you know, as us, as men, this is what Dorothy Day, who, uh, who prayed the Angelus with the, in her uh, houses that she's, you know, with people who are homeless, they were not necessarily Catholic, and here she has these communities of ho- these hospitality houses, and they're praying the Angelus every day. And, and she observed how how much it moved her heart to see, you know, these men praying, behold the hand, you know, calling themselves handmaids to be this, the devotion to becoming handmaids. And uh, to me, that's for sure an image that I've drawn towards, um, just reminding myself to be not the um, the person in charge, but to be the servant, to be the handmaid, to be recognizing that, you know, what I'm doing, you know, whatever I'm working on, that I'm pausing right now to pray that this is ultimately in service of the Lord, not in my own personal gain, and um, but in, in service, in, in the, as a handmaid, um, as a servant to, to, to the Lord. And other, the other part of the third one is just, you know, the word made flesh and dwelt among us, just as, as a reminder of God's close presence even here today he is not distant like so many others think of him he's not this obscure god he became uh, man he was the word made flesh we we this whole prayer is about god sending an angel this about god's presence in the lord in the world we don't have to um uh be, be thinking of god as this distant person or distant um lord that we cannot have a relationship with we have an opportunity to, to draw close to him in his presence here among us definitely and you know the other thing, this book is praying the Angelus, but we actually make a transition. I say it's the perfect mm-hmm. prayer for Advent, perfect prayer for Christmas too. The word has become flesh. And then we transition after Lent into Easter, and then it changes. The custom mm-hmm. is to pray the Regina Chaley, the Queen of Heaven. Rejoice, alleluia, for he whom you merited to bear has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God. And that's the uh, that's the change. And so we pray a new prayer. But when it comes to both of them, the Angelus and the Regina Chaley, it's almost as if we're reminding Mary of these both these moments. We're praying with Mary, and it's reminding her, reminding us of the Incarnation. 
when we pray the Regina Chaley, it's reminding her the joy that she heard that news that Jesus was risen. Maybe Jesus was appearing to his mother. Maybe she was the first witness of the resurrection, not in the scriptures, but piously believed by some that Jesus appeared to his mother after the resurrection. So when we pray that, it's almost the recalling of those events of the resurrection. Why, yes, Jesus died, but death didn't have the final word. Now I can live forever because of what he did. So um, there's that transition. And your book, Praying the Angelus, not only covers the Angelus prayer, but also you give some food for thought and meditations on the Regina Chaley as well. Is there anything yeah, about the Regina Chaley? Yeah. Yes make a plug for the Regina Chaley. I know it's a prayer that we pray during, like you said, the Easter season. So that's, we transition during that time. We stop praying the Angelus at those three times a day and we pray the Regina Chaley instead, which is really focused on this idea of, of Alleluia, which we didn't say during Lent and now we get to say during Easter and rejoicing. The Regina Chaley is a, is a perfect prayer for, for the time that we're in right now because here we are in the middle of this, this COVID-19 pandemic. The coronavirus is is growing, and the, the history behind Virginia Chaley, because here in Rome, the Pope was leading a procession um, through the city because there was a plague going on, and so here he is praying for the city, and as he passes the Castle Sant'Angelo, which is right uh, you know, across from the uh, St. Peter's Basilica, he, he, they have a vision of an angel, and the angel gives the words of this prayer to the to the pope to the people and so it became this devotion especially during you know the resurrection season the easter season to to remind ourselves to rejoice and to remember, remember the re- resurrection so the regina chaley is, is a beautiful prayer because it allows us to um for the first time proclaim angel hallelujah and remind ourselves of the joy of the easter season and uh, it's a perfect prayer as well, just as we, you know, hope for an end to the, the, the virus as it spreads, as this the uh, reminder of, of God's uh, joy today. Yeah, you know, it probably will be Easter again, and we'll be singing the Regina Chaley, and we'll still have the effects of the coronavirus. So it is a fitting prayer, the Regina Chaley, uh, for for our time, for this moment that we find ourselves in history. Now, I just want to transition from the Angelus to this new little book that you came out with. I believe it's for children. It's called Prepare the Way, Advent and Christmas Bible Stories for Kids. And, you know, what compelled you to write this little Advent and Christmas devotional? Yeah, so the beginning of this calendar year, I, I kind of sat down and wanted, I planned to have, you know, what did I want to focus on? What did I want to write this year, especially for children? I've been you know, forcing myself to do more work directly for kids and so one of the ideas I had was was to start writing some collections of Bible stories. You know, um, I love the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I reading, reading the Bible outside that from my own personal devotional life. And I know, having taught kids for many years and my own kids, you know, that the the Bible can be a little daunting in that it's so large and hard to find these nuggets of these great stories. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to be able to collect these into uh, you know, one book, have them written in a way that is um, easy for them to understand and um, for you know, difficult words be able to, uh, you know, translate in ways that are going to be easier to understand and just collect them under different themes. So I had one for Lent and have one for Advent. Um, when the 
the coronavirus hit, I, I started to kind of pause and, and focus on writing one for um, just with a message of hope on all the stories of the Bible that talk about hope and do not be afraid as the kind of theme there. And I wrote one with collecting all of the stories about the Eucharist to be able to be used, especially for the young kids that are preparing for their first communion. Um, and as well as one about all the different people that are different stories of prayer in the, in the, uh, the both Old Testament and New Testament. And so what I wanted to do here for this Advent and Christmas book was just to put in all the stories for Advent and Christmas that we will hear, especially during you know, the, the season of Advent, the season of Christmas, during the Gospels, um, on the Sundays and other parts of, the, of the, uh, the two seasons, just to be able to give families, kids, a, a way to um, meditate on these stories of, of the Bible. There's discussion questions that are not just, you know, what did you read, but, but making connections to their own personal lives. And um, I, I've, I've really enjoyed having discussions about stories Bible stories with my kids. Um, some, many of them have heard these stories, but to be able to reflect on them personally has been a really um, good moment for us as a family. So you're saying it is also lectionary based. So you're going to go to church on the first Sunday of Advent and you're going to hear a gospel maybe about the coming of Jesus or something like that. And they're going to be able to read that gospel in a way in which it's kid-friendly? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, so I didn't structure it in the sense that, that here's the first Sunday of Advent or second Sunday of Advent, but all of the stories that you would hear um, in any of the three cycles are, are in the book. So, um, for example, the fourth Sunday of Advent this year is the Annunciation. Other years, it's the Visitation or, or Joseph's Annunciation, if you will. Um, so there, all those different stories are in the book and can be used along with the experience of the gospel. So it's one of those things where if you read it with the kids, either leading up to or after, you're like they'll remember, oh yeah, that story, I remember hearing that or listening to that in preparation for, for Mass. So it's, it's definitely good to, to read those, if you're from listening to, if you're talking to families here, you know, reading those stories ahead of time with your kids can be really powerful because then when they're sitting there in Mass, whether watching it on TV these days or, or they're in present, um, being able to, to hear the story and say, oh, I've, I've heard this before, and this was the conversation that we had about it ahead of time. Yeah, and what's nice is... As you way to just get a little bit more of a great experience in Mass. Yeah, and what's nice, as you mentioned, the discussion questions that you have. So you know, there's something about that, that we uh, read something and then we reflect on it. So it's not just... Mm -hmm one one and done, but it's an ongoing process then of unpacking it. Well, I read the story of the Annunciation, and so what does this really mean? And of course, it means the Angelus. It means what we pray, right? But, um, but it allows some reflection to make that gospel passage, to make the story of Advent, the story of Christmas more real uh, to each of the young people that read it. Yeah, it's one of the, so what primarily what I do is I, I create resources for religious educators and for whether that's in Catholic schools or parish religious education or for, for families at home. And, and the thing that I've been trying to push people to do is to get beyond just the the ending of the ideas and really get into an encounter with the Lord. And so what, what I'm hoping to be able to do with Bible stories and other resources is to, to give the tools to be able to have those conversations, to be able to have those reflections that really do personalize what we are learning, personalize what we're reading. You know, it's really, it's based on this idea of Lexia Divina, which is another Catholic you know, devotional practice here. We're, we're reading the Bible, we're reading a scripture story, not only to understand what it said, but to be able to personally see, ask, you know, what is the Lord saying to me and what can I say in response 
in prayer. So I'm hoping that, that these books, especially during Advent and Christmas, these stories are going to be able to allow those reflections, those conversations to happen, um, whether at home or in the classroom. Well, that's so great. You're doing wonderful work. You've done it in the past, especially with Praying the Angelus, with the new work that you continue to do to equip our catechists, our, those who work in the religious education. And of course, it's such a unique time to be a religious educator with the COVID-19. And, and so we need resources that are good, that can help people, uh, because sometimes virtual isn't everything. So if we can supplement that with a nice reflection book or something like that, uh, it's going to go a long way. So I really thank you for all the good work that you're doing uh, to, to spread the Catholic faith, and especially, as we talk today, devotion to the Blessed Mother. Yeah, and thank you for for spreading the the good news about Our Lady. And, and, and as I said, the, the devotion, of, the devotion to, to Mary and the Virgin, the Virgin Mary has been a great blessing in my own personal life and in my family life. And, you know, I, I'm so glad to see the work that you've been doing to spread that devotion today and to be able to, uh, you know, see so many people, you know, rallying around the things that you've done has been, it's been fun to watch. Well, thanks. Uh, Yeah, you know, I'm just an instrument. I just keep saying yes, as Mary said yes. So one of the things, you know, you mentioned your own Marian devotion. And one of the things I do kind of just to close the program is to do what I call a quick Marian profile, just some rapid fire questions. And if they lead to conversation, that's okay, too. Um, But just about your own Marian devotion. And it shows that Mm -hmm. devotion to Mary is unique for everybody. So... What is your favorite title for the Blessed Mother, one that maybe you find that you're invoking now more than before? Uh, I mean, probably Handmaid would be, I mean, just that, that's what she called herself, is behold the Handmaid of the Lord, and that's what I've been drawn to, I think, the most, uh, you know, me personally, because of this Angelus prayer. There are lots of sacramentals in the church, so sometimes we wear them, sometimes we carry them with us. Uh, do you have a Marian sacramental that you make use of? Yeah, I, I carry with me the rosary that my grandfather had and used when he was alive. And I think I've told you this story before, but he um, it's a kind of beautiful devotion that he had. He was never very vocal about his faith, but he prayed the rosary every day. And it wasn't until only a couple of years before he died that he told me the story about how when he was in World War II, they, they had to, he was driving a truck. It was, that was one of the jobs that he had. He was driving a truck. They had to pull over, and there was some bombing happening right up at them and he was you know very fearful for his life obviously and he said he kind of made a deal with god and said if, if, I, if you get me out of this i will pray the rosary every single day for the rest of my life and he did and i i was always moved by that discipline and that um that devotion so you know when he passed away that was one of the things that i got to that got to keep about him from his um possessions was a rosary and i got to carry that i continued to carry that around in my pocket every day and and now I use it to pray as well every day um, in memory of him and, and, and for my own personal growth and family's growth in, in the Lord. Yeah, you know, you actually shared that story on a little tweet, and it was one of the reasons that I'm like, I really want you on to share that little story about your grandfather making that promise and now how it really informed you, you said. You said, you know, if he could make that promise, well, there's no reason I can't pray the rosary either. And as you share that, you carry his rosary with you. Well, you're carrying a piece of him with you. And then as you pray those beads, you know, there's that very strong connection then to our loved ones. So that's what a sacramental is. It's you know, this mm-hmm. outward sign of something. And that's what you really have that tangible reality right there. 
Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm so grateful for the the influence my grandparents had on you know my devotion to Mary because both their names were Mary and Joseph, and they both had this devotion to the Lord and and just their um, their influence, their witness to me really made a big impact on my own adult life now in the way that I that I pray. When it comes to the rosary, mentioning the rosary and praying the rosary, you know, some people they kind of just are like, you know, it's monotonous it's boring i don't really know how to do mm. it i don't know if i'm doing it right is there a tip something that you could offer to help people pray the rosary better yeah here's the, the trick that i use or tip i guess is that you know the biggest when, when i first committed to praying the rosary every single day and i started doing this i i would just beat myself up about the fact that i, I just kept getting distracted i kept like my mind was up wandering i would pray and i, I was like I got, you're supposed to be meditating on the mystery here and and what I found to be really transformative was to you know, take those distractions and then connect them to whatever mystery I was that I was praying. So if I was really worried about a meeting that I had that day or you know, if I was upset about something that had happened um, in the family or personal life, I could, and it was really you know, burden, you know, a burden on my mind, rather than you know, pushing it away and trying to focus, making a connection, bringing that into the prayer and just offering up to the Lord, you know, what is it you want me to see what do you want to reveal about this situation through the context, through the, the lens of this mystery that we're thinking about? So that's been a really powerful way to, for me to, to make that meditation personal, make that meditation not like uh, high in the sky, but really something that makes an impact in a way to encounter the Lord. I think that this question is going to be pretty straightforward based on our conversation today. But there are many different prayers to Mary in our Catholic tradition. Is there one that you have recourse to more than others? <laughs> yeah, the Angelus for sure. I, it's become such a big part of my life now that I don't even I don't even think about it. It's just it's in the backdrop. It's what I do. It's what I do a part of, as a part of the the day, and and it's um it's just it's been a wonderful part of of my life and be able to to be able to share it through the book. I, I've created websites and social media and all kinds of things to try to to promote the devotion. I'm so grateful to see so many people add it to their lives because it's been a big impact on, on me and my own family life as well. Now, this to answer probably already was given too. So um, there are lots of Marian references in the scriptures, whether that's in the Old Testament or where we meet Mary in the New Testament, then she speaks. Is there a Marian passage, a Marian quote that resonates with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I can just go right back to the Angelus, right? These, these are the words that, that we repeat and we get to say with her as, and behold, the handmaid of the Lord, you know, let it be done to me according to thy, thy word, is, is just a beautiful way to echo the words that she prayed. And there, there's so many, you know, she gets so many um, great, great words in that, in the Magnificat and in that, you know, the early chapters of Luke that is, it would be hard to pick just one, but because of the context of this conversation, I would say for sure, you know, that little quote. How about a favorite Marian apparition? Yeah, we well, I lived here. I live here near the University of Notre Dame, and so we, we get to have the grotto on campus. And we've spent we've lived here for I think eleven years now, and um, just the opportunity to constantly go there to light a candle, um, you know, to see Bernadette uh, there uh, in prayer to Our Lady has been a beautiful part of it. Our family. We went when one visit. We went there when our kids were really young. I only had two kids at the time. Throw it on the way. And my second daughter was like, she just kept saying, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. And we were like, oh, Bernadette's a really great name. So that became the middle name for our, our third daughter. 
um, they each have a little Marian name. And my, my son now, three months old, has a, is, Joseph is one of his middle names. So um, I guess for sure, because of the grotto, um, you know, St. Bernadette's been a big part of our own uh, family history, family life. Well, that's beautiful. And to realize that you're instilling that devotion in your children, that that they readily recognize St. Bernadette Subaru and call her Bernie. It's so adorable. It, it is beautiful. And I and say also just a little plug for family rosaries. I know people try it. I, mean, I literally had to wrestle my, my three-year-old this morning to, to pray the rosary or pray the 10 decade, a decade of a rosary with us today. So like, it's not going to be perfect every time but i tell you to be able to to practice and witness those those devotions for kids because they can they join in and can hopefully bring that into their adult life later on so we talk about apparitions and those are shrines our lady of lourdes etc there are different marian shrines though they're just devotional shrines to the blessed mother is there a marian shrine that you've visited that has left an impression on you or maybe is there a marian shrine that you hope to one day visit Oh, I thank you for asking that. So there is a shrine in Ohio, um, and I'm drawing a blank on the Our Lady the, of Consolation. Yes, thank you. And I have a, I have a very um, um, great memory of going there with my godmother and um, and grandmother as well at another time. And I just remember praying the rosary in a time when I, I didn't often pray the rosary as a young child, but I remember going there and praying the rosary as a, as a young child. Um, not really knowing what the rosary was, but really knowing what this this shrine was all about. But just remember being a very holy place and you know very early memory as a kid, which is which is fun to think about. I haven't thought about that in a long time. It's one of those places I've heard lots of stories about. In fact, one of my priest friends he always recounts a very powerful moment in which you know of grace or something and it was just kind of the the realization of god's presence to him and mary's intercession and so just because he always had such a profound experience there i've always wanted to go to our lady of consolation i've not yet made the journey i i want to one of these days but uh, and hopefully soon maybe uh, when the COVID is over i'll be able to get there now, there are lots of books about the Blessed Mother. Is there a Marian book that you would recommend for people to read? That is a good question. Um, you know, there is a book, when I did my master's degree program, um, a book by Carl Rahner's brother. And you, maybe you can help Rahner, me out. It's been a long yes. time since I thought about this. Hugo Rahner wrote a book on Marian. Our Lady in the Church. I have it right Our here. Our Lady in the Church. Yes, 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 yes. Our Lady in the Church, and it, it is, you know, Carl Rahner is hard to read. His brother, n- not as hard to read. And it, I just remember being really uh, interested. He, he did a great job talking about the connection between Our Lady uh, and the symbolism, the, the theology as it connected to the church. And um, I, I don't know why I came, that came up first, but that was the first book that came to mind because I remember reading it and thinking, no, this is a beautiful um, way of thinking about Mary from a theological perspective. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I had that book on my desk right here as we were recording. I just taught a class of deacons uh, last night, and so I had that book. Somebody asked a question about oh, uh, Mary's virginity, and so I went to that chapter on Ever Virgin to find a quote. So, yeah, that's great. It's, it's a good book, and it really shows the historicity of Marian devotion as something that existed with the church fathers. Mm-hmm. And just last week, we had Mike Aquilita on. He talked about Mary and his book, his new book with Ave Maria Press. Um, and so uh, the fathers of the church really did have a devotion to Mary. Hugo Rahner shows that. Lastly, 
when you go to Mass on the Assumption, on a Marian feast day, uh, is there a Marian song you hope the choir will sing? Um, you know, I, the go-to is Ave Maria. I, I've had, you know, many moments of just chills listening to that song. Um, you know, no matter who it is that's singing it, whether it's at a funeral or whether it's at a, at a day of um, uh, one of her, her solemnities, it's just, it's a beautiful song. And, and uh, yeah, and the, the Latin version of the, the prayer that we pray here in the Angelus. So I, for, for sure, Ave Maria. That's great. Well, that's your Marian profile. It's only nine questions. I should come up with another one to make it a nice even 10, but there you have it. And I'd like to thank you so much for coming on today to share about the Angelus. It's a devotion that if I don't pray it every day throughout the year, I make sure I do so during Advent to live what I preach, that it is this perfect prayer for Advent. And I am encouraging people to, to pick it up. And maybe I should make this pledge that every day on my social media, I'm going to lead the Angelus one time each day so that people will join that. me in praying the Angelus. I'm going to do that. And uh, so please uh, pray with us uh, this prayer. And maybe that'd be a fitting way for us to close uh, the, the show today is just to pray the Angelus. That'd be great. Uh, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary. She conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the full Lord grace. is with thee. Lord blessed art thou blessed among women, and blessed, blessed is the fruit, is the fruit of, the of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God. That we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, thy grace grace into our our hearts. That we to the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the best of an angel. May by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. The same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, do you know anything about this? Sometimes I've been with people and they pray three glory bees at the end of the angels. Have you ever seen this in practice? I have not. People, it's funny, as, a, as I've you know, talked about the book about people, there's a lot of people that have different devotions as it connect or different ways of practicing the prayer, which has been fun to hear, you know, whether it's family or locally. Um, these different ways of praying the angels has been fun to listen to. Well, that's great. You know, Jared, I'm so happy that we were able to have this conversation today. And Me if too. people want to find you on the internet or find the book, how can they do so? Sure. I, 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 I've been trying to hold back on social media time just to be able to focus on other work. And I, you know, I do more newsletters than I do on social media. So the religion teacher.com, if you are related to, uh, religious education is a place to go. You know, my own personal website where you can find books and other um, stories works is, is jareddees.com. And on social media, if you want to look for me there, I'm, you know, jareddees is, is usually my handle almost everywhere else. Well, that's great. Give him a look. 
pray the Angelus. And if you want to go deeper with the Angelus this Advent, praying the Angelus from Ave Maria Press is going to be your ticket to really unlock and open up that prayer. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jared, and we'll see you on the internet. Sounds good. Thank you. God bless you. You have been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope that this podcast has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle at FR Edward Looney. If you don't mind, please leave a review of this podcast. Please rate it on Apple Podcasts on whatever platform you listen. Share this podcast also on your social media if you don't mind. Until next time, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm-hmm.